Howdy, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Fireblocks. Love, love, love this company. You'll be hearing all about them later from me later in the episode. But now, on with the show. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another uh, weekly roundup edition of On the Margin. Today, I am joined, as always, by my intrepid co-host, Mr. Mark Yusko. What's going on, Mark? Ah, intrepid, beautiful, with the adventure uh, word behind you on the wall. Uh, intrepid is great. All right, uh, and I'm an adventure. I'm going to do the reveal. So I got the the crimson bear market pants and the Bitcoin roller coaster. And you know, everybody thinks that the negative of the of the roller coaster is the ups and downs. No, no, no. That's mm. the fun part. The bad part about roller coasters, you end mm. up in the same place. I. Yeah. A year from now, unfortunately, we're going to end up in the same place. And we're probably going to have a lot of this, but unfortunately, we're probably going to end up I'm in complete agreement place. with you, Mark. And you know what? Uh, the background on my wall here uh, agrees with your socks. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm in Sedona right now, Arizona. I'm in an Airbnb. There's a little uh, map on the wall that says Chase Adventures uh, behind me. Not my personal uh, decoration choice, but uh, there you go. If you ever find yourself uh, desiring to put something like Live, Laugh, Love on your wall, please Fight that urge. Uh, I'm doing this for your kids in the future. Fight, it. Fight the urge. <laughs> it's not a good idea. But yeah, Mark, I, I'm in complete agreement with you, by the way. I think we end up basically exactly where we are with crypto a year from now. There'll be a lot of ups and downs. in the. You know what's actually interesting? So before we get into our stories, this doesn't feel like the sentiment one month into a bear market. This feels like sentiment nine months into a bear market. Because if you remember in 2018, it actually took like six months before everyone kind of woke up and was like, ooh, yeah, yes. it's actually not going to bounce back. So... I feel like we're at that yes. stage of the of the bear market where people are angry with each other and my coin didn't go down as much as your coin. We haven't got yet to that that beautiful, peaceful lull, right? Which is that it's all going down. We're all in yeah. it together and we're just doing shit posts on Twitter with each other. That's the beautiful stage that I can't wait for yep. personally. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you're so right. And you know, I did my, um, my 10 surprises mm. for the year yesterday and I did my usual crypto surprise. And, and, and this year... The surprise was that, you know, we're, we're pretty much going to do nothing for the year uh, in, in Bitcoin prices. But there are monster opportunities, what we were talking about, Jeff, last week in the metaverse. So many investment opportunities. And that's the funny thing is, is being unhappy because there's price discovery going on between people who chased after something. I talk about this all the time. There are four types mm-hmm. of market participants. There are investors who buy things because they do work on them mm-hmm. and understand fundamentals. There are traders that buy stuff and they don't care about fundamentals. They want to sell things that are going down. They want to buy things that are going up, but they want to scalp a certain amount of profit, get out and be done. Perfectly good market participants. There are speculators. Those are people that buy something because it's moving, mostly because it's going up. They don't chase stuff that's going down. And those are less good for market health. But what we have now is degenerate gamblers, <laughs> and those need to be expunged from the system. I would, I would completely agree with you. And I would, I would add this, too, that there are two types of people that talk about fundamentals, actual long-term investors and retail that is high on hopium. If you cite fundamentals, make sure you are in the former and not the latter camp. That's what I'll say. Um, not the latter. Hope is not an investment no, it strategy, not. Michael. It is a four-letter word. Four-letter word, four baby. Letter. I agree with you on that. All right, let's get into it because we've got a bunch of interesting stuff to cover today. We've got some charts for you, but uh, we want to make sure that we get to this really interesting story. So I'm, I know we were talking about this before we got on the recording, but apparently the White House is going to release details about how they're regulating crypto as a matter of national security. 
really Security. interesting. There's a lot of stuff to unpack with that. But first, I want to get into our chart deck for the week. All right, this is just one of my favorite charts uh, ever. I think we've actually shown this <laughs> shown this before, but just to like set you know uh, set a framework for everyone. This is basically every reason to sell yeah. since 1926. So you're literally just looking at uh, a chart of the S and P beginning in 1926, and basically every big scare and major reason. Uh, why you should have sold, you know, at any given point, starting with Black Thursday, you know, October yep. 28th of 1929, uh, walking through some of the biggest scares, you know, uh, you know, Sputnik, the assassination of Jake, JFK, the Vietnam War, the oil crisis, the Iran hostage crisis, the Clinton Lewinsky scandal. I love that that one made it on here somehow. Uh, the dot com bubble, the great financial crisis, COVID-19. And you know what? The big trend is if you zoom out far enough, it's all going up. So just a little reminder. Of course, and it goes up two out of three days. Now, there are meaningful periods of time. I would say, yeah. You know, in 1929, you needed to get out and go to cash and stay there for two and a half decades. In 1968, you needed to get out and, and go to cash for 14 years. And in 2000, you, you pretty much could have gone to cash for 20 years and, and actually outperformed the market. So there are times... And I think we're at one of those times again where cash will outperform equities over a meaningful period of time, measured in years and decades. Um, but you're absolutely right. Over the long term, the right time to sell is never. We've mm -hmm. talked about this with Amazon. And, you know, you should post in the show notes Howard Mark's recent memo. I read that. It was really selling, good. Right. Ninety percent of our industry is about mm -hmm. buying. All the research is about buying. All the people talk about on these shows is buying. No one ever talks about selling. And so he actually did what you should do is you should take some time and think about selling. And, and the answer is if you buy something as an investor because you understand it, believe in it, and, and really do research on it and embrace it, then the right answer mm. is never. That's my pinned tweet on Twitter, right? You make the most money, the greatest wealth is created by investing in something that you believe in before others even understand. And you don't sell it because there's disagreement on the future value. That's what mm -hmm. volatility is. Volatility is simply disagreement on yeah. future value. You know who actually does think about selling is Renaissance Technologies. <laughs> so uh, that should tell you the importance of that. Uh, uh, that's yes. Jim Simon's group, by the yes. way. Uh, well, they're traders. Again, they're not mm -hmm. investors. They are traders and they are spectacular at it. And I said, that is a perfectly, investors and traders are perfectly good yeah, market participants. Speculators and gamblers mm. are not. So speaking of traders, what we're looking at here, and these both these charts come to us from Michael Batnick. So thanks, Michael. Um, we're looking at the Russell 2000 here. And uh, you, what you see is the red dots. That's a period of time when the Russell has gone down more than 2.5%, but closes up uh, 1%. And basically, the observation here is that these intense periods of volatility either happen at market tops or at market bottoms. So in the words of Michael Batnick or his little emoji, it's basically like, I don't know. That's what's happening now. So take your pick. Uh, we're either at some sort of market top or bottom. No, I love this. And I, I'm, I'm looking down because I'm, I'm searching for something. I want to show this is, I tweeted about this last night. This is the infamous puking brontosaurus <laughs> pattern. And and somebody sent me back, this is amazing, someone sent me back this thing that actually the apatosauruses uh, do projectile vomit. There's a whole thing about uh, the apatosauruses projectile vomit. And 
I did not know that. So I learned yeah. something this morning. But this is the puking dinosaur, uh, or puking brontosaurus. Yeah. So this is what's going on under the hood of the puking brontosaurus. So basically, just to give everyone um, you know, the update, we're, we're recording this on Friday after the FOMC. So we're now pricing in the probability of five uh, 25 uh, basis point hikes, um, or the possibility that's like over... I don't know, it's hard to keep track. It's over a 50% probability that the first hike that we get in March is going to be a 50 bips hike. Um, so basically on the right here, you're looking at, yeah, I would, I would take the under on that too. Um, yeah, I'm take with you on under. that. Um, you know, you're looking at the implied Fed funds rate change from the current level. So you kind of get a nice little view of like what, uh, you know, the market is pricing in for the Fed fund rate going through um, the end of 2022. Uh, basically, you know, one of, I think one of the things I wanted to get your opinion on here, Marcus, um, you know, as the expectation of the Fed funds rate goes up, what we're essentially seeing is a yield curve flattening, right? So we're looking at the spread here between the two-year and the 10-year uh, and the five-year and the 30-year here, which to me basically says people are just pricing in lower growth, certainly in the future, or, you know, obviously- Increasing chance of recession. Right. Right. A flat and then ultimately inverted yield curve is mm -hmm. the definition of inflation. And here's the thing. If short-term rates were mm -hmm. where they should be, when I say should, meaning 140 years of data, right, in yeah. the modern era, 140 years of data, short-term interest rates were equal to uh, re nominal GDP growth uh, and inflation over that entire period, averaged 4%, and they've been different from that since the global financial crisis. And look, the time to raise interest rates, I was actually on CNBC, uh, it's eight years ago, which is hard to believe, 2013. And Ms. Yellen and, you know, was getting ready to do one of her things. And they said, what should she do? Said she should raise rates three and a half percent tomorrow. And Melissa was like, what are you talking about? The world would end and we'd, we'd end up in a recession. I'm like, no, no, we would not. We don't need, you know, emergency stimulus measures mm -hmm. when there's no emergency. The reason we have zero interest rates, again, we've talked about this, is not because you and I get to borrow at Fed funds. Who borrows mm -hmm. at Fed funds? The banks. And then they lever up 12 to 15 times and buy treasuries because no one else will buy the treasuries because we're so far in debt. So this Ponzi-nomics scheme has to rock on. And so the idea that they're going to raise rates is silly. The, the, the right time to raise rates was 2013 when the economy was starting to recover. Now the economy is weakening, right? Fourth quarter growth just came in less than people thought at 5.9 instead of 8. And it's going to be worse in Q1. Germany is going to come in negative for Q4. Think about that. Japan's already negative. So the whole world is going back toward recession. And then we're talking about, well, actually, we, the good news is we have some crazy people talking about more authoritarianism and lockdown. We do have the Danes and the Swedes now saying, nope, mm -hmm. all of it, gone. All restrictions in Denmark, mm -hmm. gone. I'm with Love. you. I, I'd also like, look, I mean, I think the, the Fed looks like they're about to start tightening into recession. I think it's pretty interesting that the spread between the, the five year and the 30 year, um, you know, the yield curve is actually much flatter than the two year and the 10 year, where obviously the Fed has more control over kind of the shallow belly of the curve here. So what to me this says is that the market says, hey, we do not expect growth and we're extremely concerned about a recession. And, you know, the, the chart that I just love to pull up here, I'd love to get your perspective on gold because, you know, real yields are jumping and gold <laughs> is dumping. And to your credit, I'm going to point out now, there's a bit of a JP this is a Morgan. bit of a chart crime because I'm not showing the exact same uh, time period here. We're going back one month uh, for real yields, and I'm only looking at the last week for gold. But honestly, this both came from the Daily Shot. 
they're nicely uh, formatted and I was trying to do it myself and it looked way worse. But, um, you know, if you zoom back a month, the chart for gold wouldn't look nearly as bad. But yeah, gold is just a bit of a weird enigma. I, I don't really understand why it's performing like it's doing. No, it's, mm. it's, it's not at all, right? It's totally dissociated from the market because it's being spoofed by the largest, you know, criminal organization on the planet. And look, they just got fined $920 million. But they made $20 billion in profit. So that's actually a pretty good deal. I would actually take that deal. Pay one to make 20. I would do that and, and, and not have to admit guilt or wrongdoing. So look, this is, this is what precipitated the collapse in Bitcoin prices. The same thing. You allow futures to exist in a commodity market, whether that be oil. Back in 2014, they did the same thing to oil. Whether it be gold, they've been doing it for 20 mm -hmm. years in gold. Uh, and now it's in, in Bitcoin. And, and mark my words, BlackRock's spot ETF will be the mm. only one approved. I'm not going to say when, because it's still not time yet, but it will be the one approved. And all these other guys who should be approved, because they were there first and it was their idea, like the Winklevoss twins, etc., those will not be approved. BlackRock's yeah. will well, be Well, even approved. Fidelity's got denied. Uh, that happened yesterday as well. Um, exactly. Because they're not yeah. part of the cabal. They're not part of the well, cabal. Well, here, here's one of the interesting things, too. I think with this chart, when I look at real yields jumping and gold performing like this, uh, I think, you know, immediately what hops to my mind is that this is actually a dollar story. So this is the, the Dixie basically looking at it over the course of the last year. Um, so you, what you can see all the way over on the right there is this huge spike recently. So for me, I think what's happening here is that the safe haven asset is the dollar. And it, it, it's can no, don't be fooled. No. Michael, don't fall into <laughs> right, the tell trap. Me I'm wrong. It's a tell trap. Me I'm wrong. It's a trap. Mm. It's a trap. It's a trap. Dixie is the worst. Mm. Everyone uses mm. it for the dollar. Mm. It is not the dollar. It's the mm. euro and the yen. This all this means is crazy mm -hmm. Corotasan and mm. Luce Lagarde, Lucy Lagarde, are printing mm. more than mm -hmm. the U.S. And here's here's the way it works. Every year around this time, during WEF, the big four, mm -hmm. okay, uh, US, Europe, Japan, and China get together. And one of them mm. goes in the hot box. And they say, you have to have the strong currency. Now that is an oxymoron because all of these fiat currencies mm -hmm. are weakening. So it's a race to the bottom. But one gets to be the least weak, okay? And it has to strengthen. Now the problem with strengthening in a global world where there's exchange of goods and services is you want to devalue your currency so you can sell cheap goods, right? The Chinese are mercantilists. The Europeans make the Chinese look like pikers, by the way. They are the greatest mercantilists in the world. Go to China. It's all German cars, right? Look, machine tools. It's all Japanese machine tools. So every country wants a weak currency to sell their goods to foreign buyers. And so this is not the measure. The measure of currency strength around the world is the U.S. dollar mm. CNY. And RMB CNY is up 2% over this yeah. period because the Chinese currency is the strongest because they took liquidity out of the market first, which is why their market sucked last year. They are now, li they are now liquefying their economy to make up for all the bad loans in real estate. So their stock market's going to mm -hmm. rock this year. It's going to be the best performing in the world. And this is simply a relative value measure 
of the euro, the yen. And so this is basically saying that last year, the dollar went down mm-hmm. versus renminbi. Not a lot, but it went down. But the, the yen went down 10 and the euro went down 8. So Dixie mm-hmm. looks like the winner. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I kind of take this from the perspective of people from an outsider's perspective on finance. And honestly, when I look at a lot of these relationships, I think they've broken down from a first principle standpoint a long time ago. And the only reason they still exist is because they're correlated in the minds of people who are trading these things. So, you know, when I look at the, the Dixie in general, I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think you're right, but I think a lot of people still pay attention to this. And for that reason, it still moves markets. What I will say too, in general, is that, yeah. you know, I think, um, you know, speed of acceleration here is a big thing to point out. So, I, I mean, I do think, like, if you, if you look at, uh, you know, 2022, right, the, the move in, in the dollar index, that's a pretty rapid move for the dollar. And I would say that it, it's not something that the Fed is paying attention to yet, but I think if it continues to accelerate at this pace, they will. Same thing with the stock market in general. I don't think the Fed blanks if it sheds another 10%, but if it does in five days, I think they'll wake up pretty quickly. I'm not sure we're at that point yet, but it does yeah. look like, Volatility is back, baby, is what happened. Well, and if you, the thing is, if you zoomed out, go back, if you zoomed out, right, for two years, you'd see that it's actually dead flat. It's in its normal range. The dollar has not moved for two years. It's dead Mm -hmm. flat, dead flat. If you zoomed out for 10 years, you'd see it's down. If you zoomed out for 30 years, you'd see it's really down. It's a secular Mm -hmm. decline. And that that is the way it is. Now, that big spike that you you rightfully point to in in January, that is flight capital. Right. What is happening is fear mm-hmm. is rising and people are liquidating or being liquidated. And that increases the demand for just cash and, and currency. And so what you do see and it is weird in and, and it's partly because how complex the world is and all the lending and borrowing and the carry trading that goes on. But the yen, which is the worst currency in the world, I mean, they are going to nuke the yen they have to because they have so much debt that's their only choice but it actually strengthens during these periods of risk off because everyone has to unwind their carry trade and pay their margin calls and so again dixie it's it's really a measure of western Mm. currencies it has nothing to do with emerging markets a whole nother story uh you need the trade weighted basket from from uh uh, to look at that but anyway good good point that it is uh, not what people were expecting. Yeah, I would just call it out as something to pay attention to. I mean, and if you look at how things are actually performing in the stock market right now, so what we're looking at right now is um, S&P, but basically it's a measure of um, value and growth, both in small caps and in large caps. So we're looking at S&P 500 versus the Russell 2000. Uh, so what you really should be looking at uh, and comparing is, um, so the, the, the purple one is, uh, or the purple line there is S&P 500 value ETF, and the orange line is growth. So mm-hmm. everything is down, basically, at least over the course of the last six months. But um, the best performer here is large cap value, um, and growth is really getting taken to the cleaners. And uh, for uh, small caps, it's getting punished even more. And these, what you're seeing on the right here is basically just thematic ETF returns. And you're seeing a lot of those, like ARC is like at the very bottom here, which is getting absolutely crushed. Um, I had to, this was, this was one of the charts I was using, I was going to use for our- The ARC has been swamped. Dude, the ARC. The ARC has been swamped. It's taken on water, Yeah, baby. so <laughs> this is actually a, another chart here we're looking at, um, ARC versus just uh, the NASDAQ in general. And But Michael, we've been talking about this, right? I know. This, these are misnomers. Mm-hmm. 40% of the companies 
in the Russell 2000 index mm-hmm. don't make money. I know. They don't make money. So all this is, is the realization, mm-hmm. and it happens every 20 odd years, you get a period for a couple of years where people are like, profits. What are these things you call profits? We don't need profits. We just need growth. We need eyeballs. I know. We need TAM. Mm-hmm. And they totally forget. And this time, we actually pushed the, the nonsense twice as high as the 2000 bubble, which means price to sales, right? In 2000 bubble, right? Which remember, the 2000 bubble went down 84% mm-hmm. from peak to trough. NASDAQ went down 84%, okay? We pushed six, I'm sorry, 7% of companies to greater than 10 times revenues. Now remember, if you pay someone 10 times revenues, not 10 times earnings, 10 times revenues, to make a 10% return, they have to give you all their revenue for the next 10 years. And that just can't happen because they got to pay taxes and they got to pay their employees. This time, 15, one, five, twice as bad as 2000. And this is a reversion of that. And if you overlay the non-profitable tech on the 2000 NASDAQ bubble, we're two thirds of the way down. Mm-hmm. We got another third to go. So it ain't over, mm-hmm. right? We yeah. got a lot of pain. And we've talked about companies like Peloton, right? I mean, <laughs> Peloton, I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know what my favorite thing about Peloton is? So we look, we got the Peloton chart up here too. It's done a complete round trip um, since, you know, it became one of these uh, pandemic era darlings in, you know, uh, our April of 2020. You know, three months ago, Peloton was a sexy brand. Now it's an iPad taped to a bike. You know what I mean? Like it's complete, the way people are looking it's, it's, it's at it. Like Tesla. It's like Tesla. It's an iPad different. taped to a, a Mazda RX, you know, six or whatever M six. Yeah. I mean, so and Tesla's round tripping. And look, people are going to hate on this, and I, I shouldn't say it because now we'll lose lot. We'll lose uh, watchers because everyone loves Tesla. Um, the cult of Tesla is about to bust, and um, we're going to see how meme stocks. Can remember what a meme stock is? Yeah. A meme stock is something that you buy because other people are buying it. You mm-hmm. don't do any work on it. You don't think you have any knowledge. You just buy it because other people are buying it. It's got a picture. Dogecoin, Shiba, Freak. I mean, these are dog shit. Mm-hmm. And all of it is going to zero. Not, not Tesla. Not might not go to zero. But yeah. those things are going to zero. Yeah. Literally going to zero. Yeah. Well, I think people are waking up I, in AMC, general. GameStop, all these things have a lot of pain left. A yeah, lot. I would agree with you. Um, and what, you know, the last uh, comparison that I'll make and we'll kind of end on this is we've actually been here before. Um, so this actually, this, <laughs> this, this comes to us from a guy. Matt Michael, Mac- this, this is the best chart we've done. This, this is awesome. You're good. You uh, are so good. I, right. I would love to take credit, but I actually just ripped this directly off uh, Twitter. Macro Blonde, uh, if you're watching this, you've been putting out some great content recently. So guys, you should go check him out. Um, he puts out some great stuff. But basically what we're just looking at here but is But the, the key is, as great as, as great as the creation of the chart is, which we give him all the credit and we should, we should all follow mm-hmm. him, the skill, and you are the master of this, which is why I love doing this show. You are the master at synthesis, Right. We are drowning in information. It is impossible to consume all the information. 
And what's really hard is to find the nuggets, and you find the nuggets. This, this is the nugget. Thank you. I'm blushing over here. <laughs> but I, no, I would lo- you're awesome. lo- love to get your, your take on this because basically what we're looking at, it's Mr. Blonde Macro. I can see his name actually here on the chart. So we're looking at basically a six-month trading pattern around um, you know the, the period of the famous Powell pivot, right, uh, 2018 to 2019. And what we're looking at here uh, is the S&P, and we're also looking at the high-yield credit spread, basically. So, I mean – it looks very much like, right, that, you know, to, to, to take us back in time here, basically, in, in the end of 2018, the Fed and Powell was really trying to hike rates, right? And there was some very tough signaling to the market that, uh, hey, we're, we're going through these rate hikes, and they kind of digested one rate hike, two rate hike, three. And then we just got to a point where the market puked, um, and he did his famous pivot, right? So what it looks like... Um, you know, history is beginning to repeat itself because the market is beginning to digest these rate hikes. Uh, we've had one leg down. Uh, if things were to happen exactly like it did last time, which usually doesn't, usually it rhymes, but it doesn't repeat exactly, uh, we'd see another huge correction in growth stocks and we'd see a yield spike in general. So, And we'd see it in March, mm-hmm. which is seasonally when these things happen. It's when mm-hmm. it happened in uh, 2000. It mm-hmm. was March 24th. And then what happens is you get this big bounce. You got a speculative bounce, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the return to normal bounce in uh, March to September. And then you almost got back to highs. In fact, mm-hmm. I think maybe NASDAQ maybe even did make new highs. Uh, S&P didn't quite. Uh, and then the bottom falls out. Yep. And then you get the bear market. And that's what 01. And, and the problem is the same thing I think is going to happen here because what causes the real bear market, right, the real down leg is the bad companies, the Enrons, the WorldComs, uh, the Time Warner AOLs, the, all these really just egregious, you know, Cisco came out and said, yeah, all those earnings we told you we had, yeah, those weren't real. So we restated our earnings. So the, the accounting shenanigans come to light. The over-levered companies are allowed to disappear. And, and look, the Powell pivot is coming. Mm-hmm. He will not raise five times this year or seven times, as Jamie Dimon says. It's just not going to happen. He might, might actually go through with it in March. Uh, I, I, I don't think it would be 50, but I think he might go through with it in March. And when this puke happens, that will happen, mm-hmm. um, he'll stop. And, and it won't work. It's just like the Fed isn't in charge of inflation, Right. Mm-hmm. The inflation that we had was oil prices and used car prices because of chip shortage, because of stupid decisions on lockdown. It has nothing to do with the Fed. What the Fed is doing in the central banks around the world, they are devaluing currencies. That's different than inflation. And so you know, we talked about that last week. Yeah. Well, or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Well, here's, here's my question for you. Like, let's say in the most hawkish scenario, right, the Fed gets the Fed funds rate to around what? Like 2.5%? CPI is at 7 What's that even going to do? <laughs> well, two, no, CPI will be two and a half by the end of the year, more likely than yeah. not. Um, and so we it, look, if he got to two and a half, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. He, in fact, in my mind, he should do it tomorrow and we should take the pain. We should cleanse the system. We talked about this. Like, winter is not bad. It allows the things that need to die to die. And we need Dogecoin to die. We need Shiba to die. We need, you know, not that Peloton, the company should die, but the equity might not be worth anything. And there are a whole bunch of companies like this that, you know, 40% of the Russell 2000, right? Those, those equities are worthless. Yeah. We need to settle up. We need to give the companies 
to Howard Marks and Oak Tree and and uh, all the distressed debt buyers and let them restructure and let them look the oil patch did this this mm-hmm. is why oil stocks are doing so well yeah they took the they took their medicine 2 years ago a whole bunch of them went away they restructured they got rid of the debt debt holders got screwed but they you know the people that buy the distressed debt on the other side make a ton of money and the mm-hmm. people that buy the restructured equity make a ton of money mm-hmm. and you know we've been Fortunately, it's the only thing that worked in some of our uh, traditional funds. Because um, you know, I still have a team that does traditional funds. You know, I spend all my time in digital, but we still dabble in, in traditional. We've been overweight energy for a year and a half, and it's the only thing that's worked. I mean, Fang, my favorite, Diamondback Energy, has crushed Fang, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and it's not close. Yeah. It's not close. Yeah. Well, the reason I like that chart, too, is because this guy um, – you know, he was paying attention to credit spreads in general, which, you know, investors care about the stock market, but you can be sure that the Fed is looking at the credit markets, um, probably for signs yeah. of stress in general. Yeah, um, I'm going I'm to check out because those are those are really good charts, really good insights. Uh, so he gets all the credit and you get the credit for finding it. This episode is brought to you by Fireblocks. I talked to a lot of fast growing crypto native funds, crypto banks, exchanges and the like, and they all tell me they have the same two problems. One, their treasury management setup sucks. They've got analysts wasting time and money on manual transactions. Two, they are not happy with their current security setup. They're sharing passwords, they're sending test transactions, and they're worried that their funds might be at risk. Fireblocks is a platform that solves all of that for you. They're a one-stop shop portal, which automatically plugs into exchanges, trading venues, etc. They source deep liquidity and solve everything from day-to-day crypto transactions all the way down to complex DeFi strategy. And the best thing about Fireblocks is that they offer scalable solutions with industry-leading technology. Doesn't matter if you're a two-person crypto fund or a 2,000-person crypto exchange, these guys have you covered. And the last thing that I'll say about this company is that I have known them for years. They are a high-integrity team. They ship product like no other. I would trust them with my own funds. So click the link at the bottom of this page and tell them that I sent you. Very, very important that you click the link at the bottom here. Otherwise, they're not going to know that I sent you. And then how am I going to get credit? So help a brother out. Click the link at the bottom of this episode. Tell him I sent you. He's great. Um, he makes my job easy. All right. I want to get your thoughts on um, you moving over to the crypto side of things uh, this week, basically. So there's a, you know, this article came out. I saw it in Barron's first yesterday. But basically, the White House is going to move to regulate crypto as a matter of national security. And I'll give a nod <sighs> to um, you know, this guy, Jeff John Roberts, over at Decrypt, who did a really great uh, kind of feature post, basically talked to a bunch of ex-regulators, uh, current heads of crypto companies, et cetera. And basically, you know, it looks like the area that um, the White House is going to focus on uh, is actually going to be stable coins in general. And the idea, uh, you know, to summarize everything is that they want, to, they're going to try to move them into the banking system, uh, into the traditional mm-hmm. banking system. And, you know, what, you know, what was pretty interesting, and then I want to get your take is that, you know, especially in his analysis, it actually looks like Goldman Gary, you know, the great villain of crypto, is actually not really in charge here. And a lot of this direction is actually coming from the Treasury, right? Uh, and Janet Yellen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I'd love to just get your take in general about, you know, what, what were your first thoughts kind of when you saw the announcement? It's the, I tweeted about this other night. It's the best, in air quotes, read worst, mm-hmm. legislation money can buy. Mm-hmm. This is fully bought and paid for by the banking lobby. Uh, it, you know, the White House doesn't have a clue what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Not one clue. There's 
zero clue. Mm -hmm. This is being drafted by the banks, handed to them, paid for with a big sack of money. Mm -hmm. And uh, look, this is what incumbents do in every cycle of innovative disruption. Yeah. Every single time, right? They pay legislators to pass useless regulations to slow down. I think we talked about, you know, when the horseless carriage came, they passed a law where you had to have a person with a red flag walk in front, walk in front of the car, right? Seriously? I mean, just silly stuff like that. Yeah. And that's what this, because look, it's the same reason China banned crypto mm-hmm. because money was fleeing a bankrupt financial system into crypto. It's why they shut down Ant Financial because money was fleeing into the 6% interest in Alipay. And look, that's why they're all over people like BlockFi and Celsius and, and Gemini and, and Coinbase for these earned products. Yeah. Because if, if I have fiat and I'm in financial repression, I put it in the bank and they don't pay me anything. Now, it's not as bad as Europe or Japan where you actually have to pay the bank to hold your money. Mm-hmm. Nonsense, right? All of capitalism breaks down with negative interest rates. So it's bad. So if I take that fiat, I convert to a stable coin, and I give it to one of these uh, uh, CFI companies, they'll pay me 6 to 8%. I would do that all day long. I do do that all day long. I invest in those companies all day long. I love them. It's awesome. Banks are like WTF. No, no, no. That's our money. See, that's... That sentence, I actually like I like that I said, that <laughs> sentence is the key. People think it's our money. It ain't your money. Mm-hmm. It's their money. Yeah. It's JP Morgan's money. It's Bank of America's money. And they don't like that their money is leaving the system. And so they are doing everything they can to keep it in. Because at 15 times leverage... If you lose your deposit base, suddenly you're 17 times leverage or 18 times leverage. Yeah. And remember what happened last time we got to 20 times and 30 times leverage in the global financial crisis. Bad stuff happens. Yeah. So this is, look, it's, it reminded me of, uh, I don't know if I've told the story before, but my dad wanted to climb Mount Mitchell, which is the highest point uh, east of, of the Mississippi uh, for his 80th birthday. I'm like, okay, let's go do it. And we went and did it. And it took us a little longer, but he, he did it, which was awesome. Yep. And my mom was at the top waiting. Uh, and she started to have a little panic attack because it was taking us longer and it was starting to rain. And, and you know, we took her down the hill. And we went to the paramedics and she said the magic word, chest pain. <gasps> oh, we got to get the helicopter. We got to get you to the emergency department. And we got to run all these tests. So they, they ran this test and for the enzymes, no enzymes. So they're like, oh, well, we have to admit her. I'm like, why? There were no enzymes. Oh, well, she said chest pain. I said, no, 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 no enzymes, no heart attack. It was a panic attack. And I'm glad you did the test for enzymes. But, but he said national security. Because if you say national security, oh, you can do whatever you want. Think Patriot Act. Think, I mean, you can do anything you want as long as you say the magic word. Yeah. I've got I've got two takes on this. Even if it's illegal and immoral. Well, at the end of the day, I just think if the U.S. actually goes through with this, uh, if 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 there's if there's regulation to move stable coins back into the traditional banking system, it'll be a bigger own goal 
than China moving miners out of their jurisdiction. It's just like it's this unbelievable irony that crypto is basically a network transfer out of the old fiat system into this new system that makes a whole bunch of sense. And the big irony, you know, despite all this rhetoric about Bitcoin overtaking the U.S. dollar is that the U.S. dollar is still succeeding in this ecosystem, right? Because ultimately people need some stable store of value. I get that Bitcoin is over time, but they need something that's not going to fluctuate hugely in the meantime. Correct. Stable coins are a mechanism to propagate the U.S. dollar in the new world. It's this unbelievable seamless transfer that the U.S. just got handed on a silver platter. And they're literally threatening that. Now, I think the, the other take here is that it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what the U.S. does here. The biggest threat right. that the U.S. is actually going to do, and Matt Levine actually put his finger exactly on this in his recent he, – he recently wrote something. I always love his takes on crypto. Is that the only thing he's going to crush here is Circle. It's going to be good for Circle in the right. interim, and then it's going to completely screw them. Because what's going to happen is you're already seeing the beginnings of decentralized algorithmic stable coins. This is really early days. Uh, and frankly, a lot Wait, of – Who owns Circle? Who, who, who owns Circle? Jeremy Allaire. Yeah, but I mean, doesn't a company – didn't a company buy them? Company Gold, Goldman something? <laughs> Sachs. Didn't, didn't they buy but them? But look, it's like yeah, – Didn't Goldman Sachs – didn't Goldman Sachs – and didn't, didn't Gary used to work at Goldman Sachs? <laughs> There's, yeah, there's a connection there. I'm with you, man. But at the end of the day, too, it's like, <laughs> look, that, that's a good interim solution. And I'm, but I'd love to actually know what he thinks about the end. Because a lot of really smart investors that I talk to in DeFi, they're super bullish on these decentralized algorithmic stablecoins like MIM and Frax. Like, and, you know, even back, even back, way back in the day, remember there was a basis. That basis was the, mm -hmm. the algorithmic mm -hmm. stablecoin. And I remember thinking back then, this is the way it's obviously going to work in the future. It's just way too early. Um, and, you know, if, if regulation uh, is applied to these good, like good faith actors like Circle, Paxos, et cetera, all they're going to do is make mm -hmm. them shitty products. And Matt Levine pointed this great you know, thing out at the end of the day, which is that you know, the regulators, you basically got two different systems in crypto, these totally unregulated system and the ones that are actually trying to be good actors like the Geminis of the world. And look, at, we'll, we'll get into a little bit. I want to get your, I don't know if you've seen this whole thing with Frog Nation and Danny Sesta and the roiling that's going on underneath the hood in, in DeFi right now, which is pretty interesting. Right. But look, there was a guy who's in charge of an $800 million wallet who's basically a career criminal of the last 15 years, mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. under the cloak of anonymity. So you've got that going on. Not that that's all happening in DeFi, but there is that risk, right, if you're operating in that ecosystem. And then you've got all these yeah. good faith actors that are basically like, guys, please let me follow the rules. It is safe as a consumer to be interacting with Coinbase or Gemini or BlockFi or whatever. And the SEC is basically slapping them down but saying, oh, as long as you're completely decentralized over here, then it's fine. And just the dichotomy in terms of how this space is being regulated yeah. right now is so bad from a consumer standpoint. It's just so but freaking But your horrendous. problem is you're, you're logical. You, you, you can't be logical in these situations. Yeah. These, this has nothing to do with logic. Mm -hmm. This has to do with money mm -hmm. and power. And the incumbents like being in power, and they like it being their money. This is the critical point, right? What Bitcoin is, what crypto is more broadly, is, is our money, mm -hmm. right? It's the people's money. And... Then we don't need the banks, right? Self sovereignty, you know, be your own bank, all this stuff. Um, the banks don't like that. The banks have had an eight hundred year run. Mm -hmm. I mean, longer than that, but but really, really dominating uh, modern finance for eight hundred years, and that's ending. 
And it, it doesn't mean it's ending like they're going to disappear tomorrow. It's not like a meteor. It's, it's more like an ice age that slowly, you know, one species goes extinct. And, and um, you know, I did this very cool um, uh, Real Vision interview with Brian Estes. Uh, and I did one with Caitlin and, and one with Dan Tapiero. It just, uh, but, but Brian is, is amazing in that, you know, his motto, right, is adapt and overcome because, you know, he had to and, and something we should all live by. But it's also what companies should live by and industries and institutions. They should adapt and overcome. And yes, there are disruptive challenges to banking, to money. But the, the U.S. could and has an opportunity to be smart and to show leadership, right? Create a U.S. dollar stablecoin. Create USDC. Now, don't do all the sinister, we're going to control your money like the big giant guy, Jabba. Uh, no, the, the, what's his name from uh, the, the Spider-Man movie? Um, the bad guy in the Spider-Man <laughs> Is movie. this the most recent one? Oh. I haven't seen it yet. No, the, the one, um, uh, the Metaverse one. Um, God, what's that guy's name? The multiverse, the big guy, giant guy. The multiverse, it's not Mister Big, but it's something like that. Anyway, I haven't seen it. Um, it'll come to me. I got, I got uh, it. Kingpin, Kingpin. Mm-hmm. It's like Kingpin. It's, oh. Don't listen to Kingpin talking about yes. We want to control how you use your money, and that if we want to turn it off, that's okay. He wants to control your calories. I like too, that your but, mind went to Jabba. Um, by the way, were we, th- were we thinking Jabba the Hut here and Kingpin, and that was Jabba like the Hut, the yeah, melting yeah, yeah. of this? No, I, well, I said that. I said he looks like Jabba the Hut, and they're like, no, no, no he actually looks like Kingpin <laughs> from the Spider-Man movie. And um, I was actually watching uh, Boba Fett last night, and uh, they went back to Jabba's place with that big sand thing mm. to, to get something out of the gut. Yeah. But um, I got to catch up stuff. here. I'm behind on all my Disney stuff. I haven't seen the new Spider-Man. I heard it's like the best Spider-Man yet. Um, I am such a fan of, of Marvel. And here's the crazy thing. So <laughs> just show how you know, dumb I am as an investor. Um, I remember watching the announcement of Carl Icahn buying Marvel. Mm. Uh, I was working for this asset management firm. And and I remember my bosses who were value guys say, oh, that is so ridiculous. That price is stupid. This guy's an idiot. He's going to lose everything. $6 billion. Okay. They made more on the last Spider-Man movie than $6 billion. And then my favorite, I just heard this the other day, I was talking to this guy who who creates worlds in the metaverse for some of the biggest people in the world, like you know Madonna and Disney. And That's so cool. He said, uh, he said, oh, this guy is amazing, <laughs> amazing, and hopefully we're gonna own a piece of it. Um, but uh, what's what's so cool is he said uh, when Disney bought Marvel, they gathered all the senior executives and said, here's the deal: if anyone calls you internally with an extension that says Marvel, doesn't matter what level they are, pick up the phone, they're your boss. <laughs> Just let that sink in for a second. Yeah. They are your boss. This is a company that we all think of as the greatest company ever. They're like, no, 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 no. Disney's good. Mm. Marvel is, and, and what is Marvel? Marvel is a collection of NFT characters. Mm-hmm. They're going to sp- – I mean, yeah, when, when they make their eventual pivot into NFTs, sorry, I can actually murder it. But just to conclude the thoughts on, like, stable coins here, I just think that the, that 
the U.S. has actually been handed a gift here, and this is a challenging moment in leadership. I am not one of those people who's like the incumbents Ooh. have to die. Ooh. I think uh, I, I think overall these are this is probably how these transitions happen throughout history. I think they're probably like we just read them one line in a textbook, but I think they're probably always pretty messy. And you have human interest fighting, and you know I I, yep. I think at the top. I mean Janet Yellen. I don't even know how old she is, but the woman's it's in her seventies. I, I mean this is tough. This is tough to grasp, and like a lot of the things that you have in your head. Are, are changing in real time. The mind is not as plastic in your 70s and 80s. Yeah. It's just not. It's just not. And we, look, we talked I'm about this. Closer to that. I got I got so. corrected the last time. Apparently, that's that's changed as the model since I've been taught it in college. That's not uh, true anymore. I don't know. No, it's absolutely true. Okay, cool. That it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Now, it, I think it, it, it happens later, mm-hmm. right? That the the plasticity starts to, but it it is a hundred percent true. Yeah. And come on, <laughs> all of us. No, lots of stories of how people get set in their ways, how they're not open to change. Again, that doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. It's just the, you know, the, the biology functions differently. And, you know, we have not figured out how to replenish all of the uh, chemicals that start to wane as you age. The one thing that's really scary to me that I hadn't really thought about is this whole thing that how social media uh, and these lockdown measures change. Uh, like when you and I are together, mm-hmm. I call this the best hour of my week because my oxytocin gets going because we are – now we're not together like physically. I can't give you a hug and all that, but but we're, we're bonding. Mm-hmm. And what isolation does and what watching everybody else have fun while you're looking at Instagram does is it reduces these chemicals that make us – communities i'm totally with you. so th- here's a big thing that i just i do not know how this is going to get solved so you know when you're looking at the labor market in the u.s okay the boomers uh, a lot of them retired early and they're not com- they're not ever coming back to the workforce okay right. but what's interesting is that a lot of like prime age working people still have not yet returned to the workforce and i think there's this really right. fundamental interesting paradigm that needs to get solved for young people that are entering the workforce in this remote first covid first kind of era in that a lot of people are now used to working from home and don't want, like if you poll young people in companies, they're like, I don't want to have to go back into the office. But at the same time, like when I first moved to New York, that was, that's a huge way that young people like build their social foundation. A lot of people like are moving to a new city. This doesn't work. It doesn't work for younger people. And I'm listening, you know, I was listening to this analysis of like that people, people don't understand why these uh, young prime age working people aren't returning. It's like, dude, people are a social species. You need to you need to get them together. I mean, there's you know the way I'm kind of viewing it right now is like the Colosseum was built 2,600 years ago for a reason, mm. right? Yeah. Think about that. They brought people together. Now, some of the stuff they did there was not good, <laughs> yeah. but they We're brought not- people together, right, for communal experience. <laughs> but getting together for concerts and and events and festivals and and meeting is part and. Look, we are not meant to be isolated. We are not meant to be individual. And yes, it's easy. It's easier to sit by yourself and not have to commute. And it's like working out. Zuby. It's like you feel better after you do it, but someone needs to kind of of poke you to get off your ass, kind of. Of course. Do you know Zuby? Do you follow Zuby? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I like this. So I love this guy, right? I mean, 
and and not just because we got together and had lunch and, and actually got to physically you know hang out with him, but but I just love the way he thinks and and this whole thing of easy versus hard. Doing what's hard is what makes you better. Yeah. To your point, whether it's working out, whether it's you know not having everything that you want, whether it is you know taking a cold shower versus a hot shower, whatever it is, right? Doing what's hard is what makes us better. And if everything is easy, and I just have this, you remember Wally the movie? Yeah. So do you remember the you know they, they had the big lounge chairs on the boat and these guys, these big blob people with their big gulp and their screen. That ain't what we want, guys. Mm -hmm. We don't want that. Mm -hmm. We don't want to sit in a chair and be entertained and drink our big gulps. That is a bad life. We need to be out doing hard stuff. I mean, it sounds like a motivational poster, but I really do believe it. It's like, you know, you, you it, it, even on a cellular level, right? When you're working out, you're tearing your muscles, it hurts, but then ultimately that's how you see progress. And I, I just think that translates into into people's professional lives and personal lives, et cetera. And just to like finally close the loop on just this whole stablecoin thing is I actually think, you know, the contrarian play here ultimately is that I think one of the easiest bets is that the market for stablecoins is going to grow. I think it, like if you look at the one chart in crypto that's not suffering, it's actually NFTs, which I don't even want to get into, frankly. We'll do a whole episode yeah. on that. Uh, that's fighting gravity yeah. right now. But um, stablecoins, yeah. the market cap is just going to continue to march up. The question is, what is the constitution of that market cap going to look like? And I actually think if regulators clamp down, it'll be good for USDC in the short run. But in the long run, you're just going to completely screw their business because people ultimately, ultimately what's happening here is a transfer, a network transfer from the fiat system to the new system. And if you talk to a lot of the like bleeding edge. It's putting the tech in fintech. Right, right. Exactly. And pe people are, I actually weirdly am really bullish on, man, this is making me really bullish on DeFi, frankly, and it's making me bullish on non-US DeFi. You know, Dan, Dan Moore had recently wrote, they, they did their, uh, you know, kickoff of 2022 yeah. investor letter or whatever. And he, you know, I haven't actually fact-checked this, but he said 19 out of the top 20 protocols are not US-based. Now, I'm not really sure how he's getting that because, like, I don't know how you put Bitcoin in that. Bitcoin's the top protocol. Right. Is it US-based or not? Right. But, I mean, that's pretty startling um, that's pretty startling. Well, that depends if you believe. It depends if you believe that Satoshi Nakamoto was American or, or not American. I guess that's why I'm saying like I don't know how you would apply that methodology to. That's why I haven't fact checked. I don't. But he, you know, yeah, there's smart people over at Pintera. I have to imagine. Dan's pretty smart, and and I would I would say that that's true. And and part of it could just be ownership, right? There's more non-U.S. owners of Bitcoin than U.S. owners of Bitcoin. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, look, I you know. As a young person, I I've like, feel like I've, I'm going to spend my career in this industry in general. And, uh, you know, I love the United States. I hope we get this right. It would be a real tough question for me if, if the U.S. put draconian regulation on this and we're like, we're going to crush this industry. I don't know. I would have a tough choice ahead of me, frankly. Uh, look, I've, I've, I've talked about it uh, with, with my better 90%. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm not yet ready to go join Max and Stacy. Uh, down in El Salvador, although the pictures they keep tweeting are, are making me, yeah. I mean, now, you know, you can do that when you started buying Bitcoin at a dollar. Um, Max is, you know, famous. Um, but look, I, I agree with you. I, I love living here. I, I want to be American. Uh, I don't want to have to move. But if we do something really stupid, See, I'm even saying we, right? I mean, if we do something, because I, I helped elect those, those people just like everybody else. Yeah. Uh, if we do something stupid, 
like uh, yield to the cabal, the banksters, and and try to disrupt this, you know, innovation that is good for societies. It's good for communities. You know, you're thinking about NFTs. Why are NFTs holding up? Because they're all about communities. And communities are coming together in times of crisis. Now, there's some other issues that could be going on. There, there are. Could be some spoofing going on. There and- are. Like, honestly, did you look at the Frog Nation stuff this week? I was pretty like, look, <laughs> this is probably an overreaction. And you know what? You said... So Jim Chanos, I heard him say this like four years ago on a podcast. No one cares about fraud on the way up, but they certainly care about it on the way down. It's another thing that makes 100%. me think that we're in a bear market because suddenly everyone woke up. And just to summarize, oh, you should listen to uh, Jason and Santiago. Look at me taking the high road, promoting our competitors podcast here. Oh, you are. <laughs> wow. Look at that. You are good. Yeah. You are good. Very magnanimous of me. Very magnanimous. But you should go check it out because yeah. they did like a whole deep dive on it. The title is Fraud and Frog Nation. And you know what? It was a wake-up call to me because I was like, come on, man. Are you kidding me? Like, this this guy is a 15-year career criminal. And look, these are all allegations at this point. I don't know the full story. These are communities that I'm not, frankly, involved in. So I don't want to pass a lot of judgment yet. But, you yeah. know, there, there are definitely, uh, you know, less than save reactions that are going on in crypto. This is the time to John root them Kenneth out, guys. Galbraith. Yeah. Yeah, John Kenneth Galbraith wrote about this in the 1920s. It's called the bezel. And the bezel, right, which is the amount that's stolen, has existed since the beginning of time. Right? As long as there's been money, mm. there has been I feel like I've read this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the bezel expands in good times right? because you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. And no one's cared. No one's looking. Right? No one cares about fraud on the way up. Mm-hmm. But then there's an event. And suddenly, oh my gosh, you're do- you can't do that. I mean, we'll write regulation, and we got the 1940 Act, and the 1933 Act, and all this stuff happens, and then the bezel shrinks, okay? And then it grows again. And because human beings, some of them, are bad. Not, not the huge majority, but some, and, and when I say bad, I shouldn't say bad, right? They'll do bad things. They might not be bad people, but they do bad things because it's easy it's easier than working. If I can go steal, if I can go, if I can go do a, a flash loan and pump up the price of my NFT and pawn it off on something, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, you are. But fraud is fraud. And the bezel is real. And look, the bezel in the traditional world, in the you know Teslas and all these other revenue recognition stuff and the accounting shenanigans, it's actually never been higher. Mm-hmm. The amount of accounting shenanigans, non-GAAP, Accounting has never been higher. Again, worse than 2000. And Community adjusted there be so EBITDA. many rules. Yeah, adjusted. Oh, yeah, my favorite. Remember that? Adjusted EBITDA. It's like, <laughs> I mean, we work. It's like, no, you don't get to say, well, if we hadn't spent all the money, we would have made this money. I'm like, well, but, but isn't that easier? The money. Mark, isn't that easier? Of course it's easier. <laughs> Look, it would. I, the. You know, the adjusted, my adjusted workout this morning was awesome. You should have seen that, you know, fictional guy pumping iron. Mm. And he's really pissed. It's not another Zubiism. He's really pissed that the rest of y'all were so selfish that you didn't stretch. So he pulled his hamstring this morning because y'all didn't stretch. It's ridiculous. So. Um, all right, I know we got to wrap it there. I think when we get to the point where we're talking about fictitious workouts, we've covered everything we need to cover. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, look, no, again, uh, such a joy. My oxytocin is is surging, and um, 
Look, these are important, important topics. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on uh, when people start throwing around words like national security, pay attention. But what that really means is they're scared and they shouldn't be scared. To your point, Michael, they should be embracing innovation they should be embracing change. They should adapt and overcome. Okay? Adapt or die. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't want them to die. I don't want the banks to die. I don't want I want them to adapt and collaborate. Yeah. And I want there to be a choice for my fiat to be digital. Yeah. I do. I do. I just don't want it to be controlled where they could turn it off and not make it usable. So I don't know how we manage that part. That, that's going to be tricky. We'll figure it out. At the end of the day, everyone's going to do what they're going to do. People are going to struggle and fight, and then the best solution is going to win out in the long run. So, I, Yeah, we may all end up yeah. living in El Salvador. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I actually did feel some – I felt a little bit like, you know, I, I've kind of come to, the, come to terms that this, we're probably in a bear market here, and I actually felt happy about it. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty weird uh, – well, they're well, they're cleansing. Like, yeah, they're cleansing. Look, their cycles are normal, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you're tired. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, go get some sleep. And roller coasters are fun. I love roller coasters, actually. But the challenge is to embrace all the different opportunities. And I said, if if there's not going to be a lot of money to be made in traditional crypto, go find other digital asset playgrounds to play in. And there's incredible, incredible opportunity. Totally. And uh, so. I'm with you. All right, Mark. That's all the time we have for this week. Best hour of my week, my man. I will see you here same time next week. Cheers until then. All right, brother. All right.